Wow, good to see everybody here tonight at Community, and thanks for finding it important to be out in the house of the Lord at the midweek time. Let's take our Bibles this evening. I'd like to invite your attention to the book of Numbers, as unlikely as that might seem, the book of Numbers, chapter 33. And if you think Numbers is unlikely, wait until you see this chapter. All right, Numbers chapter 33, and I'd like to begin reading in verse number one. Just going to read four verses, and uh, then we'll have occasion to look at some of the others as we move on down through this. These are the stages of the people of Israel when they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord, and these are their stages according to their starting places. They set out from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the day after Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. On their gods, the Lord also executed judgments. So we'll end our reading there, and let's just have a word of prayer. We'll ask God's blessing, and then we'll look into this uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your kindness and blessing to us in the days of this week that have already unfolded. Thank you, Lord, that we have sung tonight and been reminded that the steps of a good man, a good woman, your children are ordered by the Lord. And there's a challenge in that for us, Lord. Help us to be looking to you each day in order that we might know that that is the case, that we have asked you for your guidance and for your blessing on our lives. And uh, you have brought us all safely to this gathering tonight. Thank you for each one who's here. Thank you for any that might be joining us online, and thank you once again for the Bible, for the Word of God, for the way we find the spiritual nourishment and enrichment and help that we need for our lives. And Lord, typically when we come to this point in the week, we, we certainly have need. We've already encountered enough things during this week to find discouraging or to find uh, uh, challenging. And so as we come here tonight, Lord, just suit a blessing for us each. Lord, minister to our hearts. You know our downsitting. You know our uprising. You understand our thoughts afar off. And so I just pray that you will take the things that you've given me, Lord, and, and work in our hearts according to our individual needs. Suit a blessing for us each, for we pray now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, I'd like to bring you a little message tonight that I've entitled Journeys. Numbers 33 is actually kind of special in a certain sense to me. And it's, it's special, I guess, in the sense that Numbers chapter 7 is. Um, you know, if you, if you are in the habit of reading through uh, the Bible, um, you're going to have the Old Testament. I don't know how you do it if you do it, but the Old Testament, New Testament, then you, maybe you're reading Psalms, Proverbs, whatever. But you come sometimes to these places in the Bible where you think to yourself, oh my goodness, that chapter again. And uh, maybe that's a little bit too uh, honest, but... That, that's, I think, sometimes, you know, you get to that Numbers chapter 7, and it's that chapter where it talks about each one of the, the uh, tribes, they bring their offering. And it, it goes through about 10 or 12 verses of the same exact thing for each one of the, of the, the tribes. And you read that thing till you get to 70-some verses, and you just kind of think, I get it. You know, and, you, and then you get to a chapter like this, and we stopped our reading in time not to get to a lot of it, but you look down through there, and what you've got is they went from here to here to here to here, and a lot of it's unfamiliar to us. Uh, just a little personal insight. Over the years, I've always found those things challenging in the sense that uh, I understand the Bible to say that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, 
and therefore all scriptures, what's the next word? Profitable. So I'm thinking to myself, God has some reason that he gave us this. Sometimes I think he just, we just need factual information to corroborate and put with other things. But other times I think there are really things that we can get from this. And so tonight, the concept that I want to talk to you about from this is exactly what's in the chapter, and that's journeys. Now here's something kind of interesting. You'll notice uh, in, in our text, the third or fourth word that you have in verse number one, these are the stages. So doesn't use the word journeys there. If you look right above that, if you have a chapter heading, I'm, I'm thinking probably most of you do, um, it says recounting Israel's journeys. And it, it so happens that journeys is the common word to use here. The ESV chooses to use stages. Now stages has a certain strength to it. I mean, it's not, it's not altogether a lost cause, so to speak. I think the translators had something very specific in mind because the, the term stages does a decent job of calling our attention to the itinerant nature of life. And if you think about that for a moment, okay, so now you're living here in the greater Greenville area, somewhere close around, relatively speaking, but did you always live here? So you lived somewhere else, you lived here. The job you have now, were you always doing that job? So you had this job, you had that job in life. Life tends to often have kind of an itinerant, sometimes it almost seems to us a little bit of a fragmented nature to it. All makes sense to God, but there are the journeys. But a lot of the other English translations, the New American Standard, the King James, use the word journeys. And that, that's a term that's very common to us. In fact, I think probably most people here would realize tonight that that's actually become, over the last, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years, a very popular metaphor for the Christian life. And it's biblical. I'm sure that it didn't just happen 15 or 20 years ago because it's a biblical concept, but that's become kind of common parlance for people to talk about their journey. Well, it's not a bad concept. That's exactly what you have in this chapter. And so I want to bring you tonight just four observations that I think we can make from this chapter. I don't know that it's exhaustive. In fact, as I was looking over this a couple of different times, I thought, here's another one. We don't have time for it. So <laughs> I just left it at the four. But the first thing I want you to consider with me tonight is our journeys have a definite beginning and a definite ending. It's kind of interesting if you notice this verse one and two again where we read from. It says in verse two, Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord. And these are their stages according to their starting places. So it's abundantly clear from what it tells us in verse number two that the journeys have a beginning. If you look in this chapter, at least the children of Israel, insofar as Numbers chapter 33 is concerned, um, that starts in Ramses. So verse number three, they set out from Ramses and it tells us when. And it doesn't end until you get near the end of the chapter, not quite all the way to the end, but if you look down in verse 49, you'll find that where it ends insofar as what's look, uh, being recounted here, they, they camped by Jordan uh, from Beth Jesimoth as far as Abel Shatim in the plains of Moab. So all the way from the land of Ramses in Egypt until you get down to verse 49 and you're in the plains of Moab, they're poised. They're just ready to go into the promised land. But you know, life is really sort of that way, not only in that it tends to be segmented. I used the word fragmented a moment ago. Maybe segmented is a word that also helps to communicate, but 
Life tends to be this way also in the overall sense. Thinking about the segmented, here's a statistical um, thought that might sort of really bring this out to you. There are roughly 45 places, if you were to read down through this chapter, there are roughly 45 places mentioned there. Anybody in here tonight moved 45 times? <laughs> Twice or three times is, is plenty, I guarantee you. Um, it, it's not, not real pleasant having just done it a year ago. I can wax eloquent on that. But uh, thinking about the overall sense of life, a beginning and an ending, well, there's some interesting things noted to that effect in this chapter. If we go down to verse 36 and 37, it tells us there, Miriam died. Miriam died in Kadesh. Look at verse 36. And they set out from Ezion Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, that is Kadesh. And they set out from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the edge of Edom. And this is where Miriam died. When we, we read about that in the chapter, and it tells us that this is where, where, she, um, where she died. Well, so life has a beginning point, our journey has a beginning point, our journey has an ending point as well. And if we go down to verse 38 then, it's kind of interesting here because now it mentions Aaron. And Aaron the priest went up, uh, uh, went up Mount Hor at the commandment of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after that the people of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 year, years old when he died on Mount Hor. Well, so Miriam, Egypt. And the ending place, we're told here, is in Kadesh. Then when we get to Mo, uh, Moses' older brother, uh, Aaron, the beginning place is once again in Egypt. The ending place is Mount Nebo. I'm sorry, not Mount, not, not Mount Nebo, but Mount Hor. Now, we don't need to turn, I don't think, because you turn to, if you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34, then you find out a book later, almost at the end of the book, we get the final story on Moses. So it begins for Moses in Egypt as well, but according to Deuteronomy 34, verses 5 and 6, he died in Mount Nebo. So here are three examples, just all right in the same family. You have Miriam, you have Aaron, you have Moses. Life has a beginning point, our journey has a beginning point, and our journey has a definite ending point. And when I think about this, I think about the fact that Moses had something to say about this in another place in Scripture. Deuter or Psalm 90, verses 10 and 12, read as follows. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Something we can learn from that? Yes. So teach us, verse 12, he said, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Folks, you know, people can tell you this. And we've heard all this. this. What I'm telling you tonight is not a news flash. It's just sort of a, a little reminder. We know this, but how much do we really know it? As I was thinking about this, I mean, how, how, how much do we really take it to heart? I, I guess as you get a little bit older, you start trying to take it to heart a little bit more because you know you're closer to the, to the end of the journey. You still don't know exactly what the ending point is. You can know the beginning point. That's one of those questions they ask you, you know, at Social Security, where were you born? So you better know. We, we know the beginning point, but where we know the ending point, don't know that and don't necessarily know the date. I suppose that's a good thing. 
but talking about how we can, we can just kind of mouth this stuff and it doesn't really sink in and we don't really apply it very much to our hearts and lives. I, I'll tell on myself, I, mean, I remember a time, it's been years ago now, but I remember back in Pennsylvania, a particular service preaching. And I remember saying in that particular message, I don't remember what exactly that message was, but I remember saying to the people, you know, the day is going to come when I will preach the last sermon from this pulpit. Well, yeah, I knew that up here, <laughs> you know. But you know, that day came. And I think there's a point well taken in this to realize that God gives us a certain amount of time, and the Bible talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Moses put it this way, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Let's move on. We'll talk about the second thing now. Our, our journeys are some remarkable, but mostly routine. When you look at the first part of this chapter, there are some really remarkable places in the journeys of the children of Israel. And I just want to note a couple of them for you. Some really unforgettable experiences are recorded here. Uh, just drop down to verse 7. Notice it says, And they set out from Etham and turned back to Pihahiroth, which is east of Baal-Zephon, and they camped before Migdal. So here they are at, let's just call the name of this place Pihahiroth, and here they are. And if you go back and you look at the account of this back in the book of Exodus, you know, this is the place where they were with their backs against the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's armies draw on. And they become fearful. And if you remember the story, as it's given to us there, they cried out to the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verse 9 records this. I, you know, I don't think, well, I shouldn't say that they didn't, because it seemed like they, they did in some ways forget a lot of that. But how would you ever forget that? If you were one of the people who were living when that went on, how would you ever forget how you felt when there you were, uh, you'd been come out of the land of Egypt, you'd seen all those plagues of the Lord, and now it seems like it's all going to end in failure. Your backs are against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army draws near. What are you going to do? And God parts the Red Sea. That's a pretty remarkable experience to have in life, isn't it? They had that. Then if we go down just to verse 8, we come to another place. We'll just look at a few of these. Um, that place is Marah, and they did set out from Hahiroth, and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness, and they went a three days journey into the wilderness of Etham and encamped at Marah. So they, they didn't get, or they did get, only three days into the wilderness, and they come to this place, Marah. Do you remember what happened there? Because that's recorded for us in Exodus chapter 15. Bitter water. Boy, life has some bitter experiences in it, doesn't it? And there isn't time to talk about that tonight, but that was very, very memorable. And they began to complain, and God showed Moses, the King James translates it tree, and the ESV translates it's a log. I've often pondered over that, you know, exactly what that tree or that hunk of wood or whatever it was that he cast into the water, and they were turned sweet, and they had drinking water. That's pretty remarkable, wouldn't you say? You'd think you would remember that. Keep going, and we find another one. Um, they come to a place called Elim. Look at verse number 9, and it says... In verse 9, and they set out from Marah and came to Elim. At Elim there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there. That sounds to me like a good place to camp, doesn't it to you? Sounds better than the Holiday Inn. 
They went to Elim, they stopped there. It, and the Bible is very precise. You know, back when you read about this in Exodus, and then even when you're just reading it in this chapter, where it's just recounting these journeys for us, it gives us some extra detail. Always seems to tell us, always seems to go out of the way to point out there were 12 springs of water there and 70 palm trees. I don't know if this is the intention behind that or not, but it's an interesting thought, at least. 12 springs of water, one for every month of the year, 70 palm trees under which to find shade and rest, one for every year of life, according to the three score and 10 rendition. I don't know if that's exactly what's going on here, but it's kind of interesting, memorable place, I would say. Then if we look down just a little bit further, let's go to verse 16. Can't look at every one of them, but let's go to 16. And it says, they set out of the wilderness of Sinai. Well, Sinai is pretty interesting because there they got the law. How would they ever forget that? God coming down on that mountain with thunderings and the sound of a trumpet and quaking and smoke and all of that. That's pretty memorable. Then you get this verse 16 also mentions this for us. It says, uh, and camped at Kibroth Hateava. Now that one might not ring a bell for you as much, but you might remember the story. Um, it's actually recorded for us in the book of um, Numbers. This very book, chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. But that's where they came to this place and were complaining about the manna. I just look at them, try not to point too many fingers, because if I point one at them, there's three coming back at me. And I think that we, we're all good at this, you know. We're all good at complaining. Uh, but they were complaining about the manna, complaining because they didn't have any flesh to eat, any meat to eat. Um, they didn't make good vegans, I guess. So they were complaining about this. And you remember God sent the quails, and they rushed out there, and God gave them the request and sent leanness into their soul. They rushed out there, and the, and the King James says, ere the flesh was between their teeth. That judgment fell on them, and, and a number of them perished in that right there in the wilderness. That's pretty memorable. I, I'd say that you'd you know, that would be a memorable experience in life. Well, well, do you get the idea? I mean, life is like this. Life has some fascinating, incredible experiences that occur in it, remarkable experiences that occur in it. And you have other situations that are eh, kind of interesting. In verse 13, two places are mentioned. And if you look there, let's see if we can grab that. Um, yes. And they set out from the wilderness of Sin and encamped in Dofka. And verse four, uh, 13, and they set out from Dofka and encamped at Alush. Well, we don't know anything about those. I think, far, far as I know, I think this is the only mention of them in Scripture. We don't know anything about them. So that's obviously unremarkable. But beyond that, when you get to verses 19 through 32, there are 15 places mentioned there. There's, there's more than that, but there's 15 places mentioned there that we don't even know where they are today. So when they travel down into that place and you have all of this that's going on, in fact, this might interest you to know, verses 18 through 37 in this chapter, they spent roughly 38 years in that area around Kadesh, their wilderness wanderings. We know almost nothing about it. So here you've got places that we don't even know where they are. Here you've got places that are mentioned only here in the chapter in the Bible and no details given about them. And that's pretty unremarkable. And if you think about it, 
geographically at least, but there's an application I think sometimes to life. There's the routine, that's kind of like level ground, and there are the mountain peaks. There are the valleys, but the routine is just sort of the level ground, and you know, that's most of what life is comprised of. I had a, there was a fella in our church in Pennsylvania that had gone uh, into the state police, and I asked him one time, I'd always make it a point, we had a couple of those guys in our church, I'd always make it a point to pray for them. It's just always on my heart that they were, they were out there and they didn't know what would happen, they stop a car or something like that. And so I'd always pray for them. And I asked him one time, I said, how's it going? And I was fine, you know, and I said, well, tell me what your days are like. He said, some of it's like about 30 minutes of sheer terror and the rest paperwork, boring, the rest boredom. I guess uh, there'd be enough of that uh, 30 minutes that the paperwork might be a welcome thing. But, you know, God requires that we be faithful regardless of whether it's the, the flat country and the routine or whether it's the valleys where we have times of despair and difficulty and trial and trouble or whether it's those ecstatic times when life just seems to amazingly overflow. And Paul put it this way, not that I'm speaking in of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And whichever one it is that God requires of us, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If there's anything about these verses that encourages me, it's one word in verse 11, learned. That doesn't come naturally. What he's talking about there doesn't come naturally. And I suspect that you and I are still learning that or hoping that we will learn that. But God requires of us to be faithful regardless of what the terrain is like. Let's look at the third. Our journeys consist largely of the unknown. Did you ever stop to think about when they left Egypt, what was out in front of them? They did not know anything. They'd never been to those places. I mean, this was a generation that, all that generation, they grew up in Egypt. They, they didn't know anything except the cukes and the melons and the onions, about all they knew, and the leeks. They knew them. They knew them a little too well. But as far as once they left Egypt, they didn't know those places, didn't know anything about those places, never been there before. In a sense, it's a little bit like Abraham. He went out not knowing where he was going, right? And the children of Israel did that as well. So like Abraham, the same thing is true for us. I mean, life is largely that way. It consists of the unknown. What does the Bible tell us? Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So you have a pretty good idea. I think almost everybody here has a pretty good idea what you're planning and thinking you're going to be doing tomorrow morning. But you really don't know what's going to happen in that day. You think you know. And some people are wonderful planners and have it all you know, down to the last 10 or 15 minutes all planned out. But it only takes a phone call or a text message or something like that to change all of that. And so we don't know. This is the verse. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. When he was called to go out into a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. How do you do that? 
It says the first two words, by faith. And this is what God wants us, how God wants us to live life knowing that tomorrow is an unknown. We have to put that in God's hands. We have to trust God with that. He knows best and he will care for us. Lastly, our journeys are graced with God's presence. The places may be unknown, but the people were never alone. I just want you to think about that for a moment. All the places may have been unknown, but there was never a time when those people were alone. God was always with them. It was symbolized by the cloudy pillar by day and the fire by night. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, look at this, did not depart from before the people. And what does God tell us? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we, there's an application of that, so that we may boldly say, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God is with us. When Jesus Christ was giving the commission to the church, that's somewhat daunting. But the last thing he said to them when he was doing that was, Lo, I am with you always, even to the consummation of the age. And not only did he, was he with them always, but he was with them in a sense to signal the precise time that they were to move. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people camped. You should read that Numbers 9 in more detail sometime if you're interested in following up on this because it talks about the fact sometimes they were in a place just a few days, sometimes they were more, sometimes it happened at night. But God always directed their way. He was always with them, always showed them precisely what he intended for them to do. Folks, tonight, our journeys are different in the sense that we're different people. But these four things are true of us all. Our journeys have a definite beginning and ending. Our journeys are some remarkable, but mostly routine. Our journeys consist largely of the unknown, but... Our journeys are graced with God's presence. Father, I pray that you'll take the things that we've looked at tonight, use them to be an encouragement to us. Use them to help us. Each of us has a journey. Lord, we don't know what all of that involves, how long it goes. We don't even know the places necessarily. We think we know some of them, but we don't always know. Kind of scary in some ways. Lord, we think of the Garbutts, kind of a scary place to be in right now. Something that would have never been envisioned. But you know. And so we pray that you will just give us grace and that you will help us and strengthen us in all of our days as pilgrims and strangers in this world. 
Help us to celebrate and rejoice in your goodness and in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.